Welcome to Stonebridge. Here are some announcements and things to know. During this time of virtual and social distanced worship, it's important to continue contributing to the ongoing ministry of Stonebridge. Here are the ways in which you can give. You can give online through our website at stonebridgecme.com. Click on online giving. You can give through your bank's bill pay option, or you can send in your offering through the mail. If you'd like offering envelopes sent to you, please contact the church office. With the exciting news of moving to weekly worship services and offering an indoor service on Sunday mornings, there will be a children's and youth parent meeting on Wednesday, April 14th at 7 p.m. Join children's director Miss Stephanie and youth director Olivia Mosseri to talk about the programming available for both Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. Check your newsletter for the meeting information and to RSVP. Our next outdoor worship service will take place Saturday, April 17th at 5.30 p.m. Please visit our website or check your newsletter to register. Our nominating committee will be meeting soon to nominate our next class of deacons and elders. If you are interested in serving Stonebridge in this capacity, please visit our website to learn more about what it means to be a deacon or elder and fill out an application. Applications are due April 19th. And lastly, we would love to know that you're participating in worship. Please continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in version, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship. Our scripture passage this week comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of God. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, The steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are beginning a new sermon series this week entitled Revealed God at Work. And in this series, we'll be looking at the signs that Jesus performs in the Gospel of John. The first of these signs is when Jesus turns water into wine at the wedding at Cana. So I invite you as we turn to the scriptures to join with me in prayer. And let's pray that God opens up the scriptures to each and every one of us. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the way that it opens up your character to us. And we ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit now, you would reveal yourself to us. Reveal your glory so that we can understand who you are. 
Reveal your glory so that we can believe in you and have our hope deepened in you. Reveal your glory to us now through this sign at the wedding at Cana so we can know who you are. We ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus turns water into wine here at this wedding. This is the first of his signs, we are told. Now, when we're talking about signs, we're not just talking about miracles or deeds of power, or works of wonder that Jesus performs at other places in the Gospels. The signs in the Gospel of John are very specific. They're marked out with the word in Greek that translates as signs, specifically. And these signs, they serve as guideposts. Really, they serve as signs. I mean, think of a road sign. A road sign is meant to guide you in a certain direction or to give you instructions on what to do as you are driving along a road. And the signs in the Gospel of John are meant to guide us in a certain direction towards the eternal life that God offers. They're meant to give us instructions on how we can live the life that God wants for us so that we can move forward through our lives. So these signs, they're not just miracles. They're not just deeds of wonder. There's always a deeper significance. There's something that they are pointing to that has to do with God's work. So this first one, Jesus turns water into wine at a wedding. It may seem like the stakes are pretty low on this sign. I mean, the only thing that is at stake here is the shame or honor of this young couple who is getting married and really their parents who are throwing this wedding. They have run out of wine and you're not supposed to run out of wine at a wedding. This would have been a shameful event. So Jesus's mother, she tries to get him to intervene and Jesus actually says no at first. He doesn't want to, but she's insistent. She persists and Jesus relents and he has water poured into these six jars that are standing there. And then they pull from the jars and the wine is there. And it's the best wine anyone has ever drinking. The chief steward even says this is the best to the bridegroom. This doesn't seem like the stakes are really all that high. But when you look at this story, at least when I look at this story, the most interesting thing to me isn't the stakes that are there. It's also not the bridegroom and the, the bride and, and their potential shame or the shame of their families. All that stuff is there and it is interesting, but it's not what's most interesting to me. This story, it is a story of Jesus turning scarcity into abundance. And that's a theme in the Gospel of John. If you read John more and more, you'll see that Jesus regularly turns scarcity into abundance and that that is a mark of God's kingdom. But what's most important to me is how Jesus does this and what he uses to do this. The most important thing to me in this story are those six stone jars that are standing there. These six stone jars, they're not just random jars that are just there. We're told that they're used for the purification rites, the cleansing rites of the Jewish people. And in Jesus' day, the, the Jewish people, they had all sorts of hand-washing rituals that these jars were supposed to have been used for. Before they ate food, it was important that they wash their hands, that they cleanse themselves. And it wasn't just a hygiene thing, but this was an act of worship. This goes back to the law of Moses and different interpretations of Moses' law. And the Jewish people, they were very precise, very exacting in these 
hand-washing rituals. And that's what these jars are supposed to be used for. But Jesus, he finds them empty. Because remember, Jesus has to tell the servants to fill them. So they're empty. They're, they're not being used for what they're supposed to be used for. But Jesus takes them and he uses them for a completely different purpose. For a completely unexpected purpose. My son is 18 months old. And one of the things that I wasn't really ready for in raising a toddler was how every single object in our house seems to have multiple purposes that I could never have imagined. I mean, he takes all sorts of different things in the house and finds creative ways to have fun with them, to find joy in them. Now, one of my confessions to you all is when I'm at my house walking around or in the backyard or in the front yard, I usually wear Crocs. You may not know what Crocs are. You may also know what Crocs are. They're pretty popular at this point, but they're really ugly looking sandals. And I'll just be frank about that. They, they look ugly. They do not look stylish, especially when I, when I wear my socks with my Crocs. But my son, one thing he likes to do is take my Crocs and put them on his hands. And he then runs around the house and he just starts hitting the walls and the Crocs are soft and there's no harm done. And he has a blast with the Crocs on his hands. They become a toy for him, even though they're meant for my feet. He uses them in a completely different way. In the same way, he likes to take my hat, which is a Dodgers hat, of course, go Dodgers. But he likes to take my hat and put it over his face so that he can't see anything. And then he starts to feel his way around a room. It's like a challenge, a game that he's playing. But what I've learned raising a toddler, anything can be used for any sort of purpose. I think oftentimes that's actually how Jesus looks at our lives and the things in our lives, the relationships in our lives, the objects in our lives, the events in our lives. We think they're supposed to be used for one thing, but Jesus then takes them and transforms them and uses them in a completely different way. I mean, that's exactly what Jesus is doing here in the wedding at Cana. That's what Jesus is showing us about his own work here. He takes these Jewish purification jars, and though they're meant to be used for hand washing, he uses them as a way to create abundance, to turn scarcity into abundance. Jesus takes these jars and uses them in a way that nobody would have expected. And when I read the story of the wedding at Cana, it just makes me wonder, what else might Jesus use in our lives in ways that we would never expect to create abundance, to create hope, to create joy? What else might Jesus use in ways that we would never expect? Objects that we have probably walked past and not even noticed. Relationships that we put on hold. What else might Jesus use to reveal his glory so that people can believe in him and have hope? One example that comes to mind for me, and one thing that I feel kind of excited about over these next however many years, relates to the church. We have to remember these jars, they were objects of worship. They were meant to guide worship. And right now in our country, we have all sorts of churches, congregations of Christians, but there's this narrative, this narrative in the United States that the church is dying. Or the church is in decline. 
And that if churches don't change their practices right away, they're all going to be extinct and we're not going to have a church in this country anymore. This is a narrative that I find pretty frustrating. I'm frustrated by it, not because I I buy into it, but I'm frustrated by it because most of the time when I see it being employed, when I see people pointing us to this narrative, not all the time, but most of the time, it's from people who have a specific idea of what the church is supposed to look like and are blaming people who disagree with them for why they think the church is declining. And I just don't find that very helpful. I, I, just, I just don't really find that as a productive use of Christian's time. But the other reason that I don't really like this narrative is because I just don't think it's really true. Yes, there are certain data points that point to this. Church membership in the United States, it is declining. That's been happening for decades now. There's all sorts of different reasons though that we can point to. Um, And while church membership is declining, church attendance is actually fairly consistent um, over the last few decades. When you really look at actual church attendance and regular church attendance, it's actually fairly consistent. But where I really think this narrative starts to fall apart is when we step back from the United States. And we recognize that there is more to the church than the United States, that the church is a worldwide phenomenon. And in other parts of the world, the church is growing rapidly. In Africa, in South America, the news of Jesus' resurrection, it is spreading like crazy. People are coming to faith. Works and wonders are being done. People are having hope in Jesus as Lord and proclaiming Jesus as Lord. And right now in the world, There are well over 2 billion Christians throughout this world. Almost a third of the world population professes Jesus as Lord. How is the church in decline when we look at the whole world? Christianity is still the largest religion. And right now, there are more Christians, both raw number and percentage-wise, in the world than there have ever been. The church is doing just fine. And even here in the United States, there might be some changes that are taking place. A lot of people who went to church, they don't feel the pressure to go to church anymore when they never really believed in the first place. So that might be happening and there might be a decline in membership. But I don't think the church is declining. I think it might be changing. It might be taking a different form. Jesus might be using it in the same way that he used those six stone jars of water to turn water into wine. And I just can't help but think, if all Jesus needed was six stone jars to perform this sign there at the wedding at Cana, what is he going to do with all of the churches and all of the resources in the nation here in the United States? What can Jesus do with all of that to spread his news of hope and resurrection, to give people hope, to restore this world? I can't even begin to imagine what Jesus might be planning. Jesus uses those six stone jars that are supposed to be used for purification rituals. And he uses them for a completely unexpected purpose of turning scarcity into abundance, of turning water into wine. I can't help but also think when I reflect on this story, for us at Stonebridge Community Church and for so many churches throughout the country, Our churches have been largely empty. We've been meeting online. 
We've been meeting outdoors some. Church buildings, though, they've been largely empty. And these jars that Jesus uses the wedding in Cana, they were empty also. People weren't using them for what they were intended to be used for. And as we begin to gather again, as we begin to gather indoors for worship, how might Jesus change the way we use church? Might change the way we use the property that we have? How might Jesus change the way we use the resources that we have? What might Jesus be doing, not just at Stonebridge, but at so many different churches, to change and help the churches adapt so that more people can understand who Jesus is? Jesus takes those six stone jars and he turns water into wine from them and reveals his glory again. I just can't help but wonder if all it took was six stone jars for that, what is Jesus going to do as all of these churches begin to meet again? How is all of this going to change? What will Jesus do to help reach new generations with the news of hope and resurrection? And what might Jesus be doing with us at Stonebridge as we start to meet again and gather and as our church starts to fill up again in the same way that those six stone jars were filled with water that day at that wedding? It makes me pretty excited, actually, to be thinking about that. This story of the water being turned into wine, of the wedding at Cana, it is a story of scarcity being turned into abundance, but it's a story of Jesus using objects of worship in a completely different way in order to turn scarcity into abundance. And these are just a few examples, but the truth is that this is a reflection of God's work And what else is there in your life that Jesus might be getting ready to use to turn scarcity into abundance? That Jesus might be getting ready to use to bless you in an overflowing way, in the same way that that wine was being drawn out from those jars? What is it that Jesus might use? What relationships have been put on hold? What uh, routines, habits have been put on hold? What spaces have you not been able to go visit that Jesus is going to change and use in a new dynamic way so that his glory is revealed and more people can understand who he is? This sign is meant to point us to the work of God that Jesus does. So may we have our eyes open to that work and may we be ready for Jesus to use all sorts of different things in ways we would have never expected. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.
Like a ring of solid gold Like a vow that is tested Like a covenant of old 